This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, August 8th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, local governments talk regional approach to housing. A national climate bill could have impacts in San Miguel County. County plans for emergency mitigation. And a mountain weather forecast. Housing is an ever-present conversation in San Miguel County. This week, local governments met to talk about what projects are in the works and how to take a more regional approach to the issue. It would probably be useful if all the organizations who are putting so much effort towards those solutions had a slightly more formal um, approach to coordinating with each other, uh, both in terms of what land they're pursuing, but also uh, the type of project mix that they're looking for if Just for example, uh, the town and county want to do all for rent on Diamond Ridge, then probably Mountain Village would want to do something different in Ilium. And again, that's just an example. That's Paul Weiser, Mountain Village town manager, speaking at an intergovernmental meeting on Monday. Government officials were supportive of taking a more regional approach to look at housing, with Norwood Mayor Candy Meehan urging the conversation to include the West End of the county. You know, we're starting to experience some unprecedented growth for which our water and our infrastructure is being impacted. And these things that we're doing, we need to be going deliberately. Um, And Norwood would like to participate in this. The discussion comes as all the primary governments and local organizations are working to create more housing in the region. At the meeting on Monday, Michelle Haynes, Planning and Development Services Director for Mountain Village, shared information on a new piece of land under contract in Ilium. Like the rest of us, the Mountain Village has been actively pursuing multiple levels of addressing housing it includes regulations and incentives and building inside of our community, looking to outside of our community and land acquisition. And we are, uh, Mountain Village has an agreement to purchase a portion of the Alexander property. It's roughly 55 acres. Uh, it does not include the gravel pit. What's north is the business um, area of um, Ilium Valley. Wiser notes there's still a lot of due diligence Mountain Village needs to do to see what's possible on the property. We're optimistically, um, but cautiously uh, excited about this, but we'll see where uh, all this hard work takes us. And Mountain Village is also working to develop two other affordable housing projects within town limits. Uh, we will be hearing, the DRB will be hearing its initial application from Triumph Development West, who will be developing lot 644 down the meadows. And uh, we also have awarded a contract to uh, do some re-engineering of VCA. We're going to still continue to pursue the 42 units uh, that represent phase four expansion. And uh, we anticipate that that redesign will result in some cost savings that we uh, anticipate will make the project viable. And we still hope to be breaking ground in April. So on the two um, most viable pieces of property within Mountain Village, the town is currently pursuing projects on both of them. At the same time, San Miguel County and the town of Telluride are moving forward with the Diamond Ridge housing development, a 39-acre parcel of a 105-acre piece of land zoned for community housing. Here's Assistant San Miguel County Manager James Van Hooser. The town of Telluride and San Miguel County have closed on the property as of two weeks ago, so that's the 
the main update I wanted to provide this group is that uh, the property has been purchased. Uh, at this point, we are, you know, developing plans to plan. The town of Telluride is also working on the voodoo lot housing development. It's at the beginning stages of discussion when it comes to developing the Shandoka parking lot for housing, and residents will begin moving into the Sunnyside housing project next week. In Norwood, the lottery for the Pinion Park neighborhood, 24 community housing units, is currently open. When it comes to what further collaboration could look like, officials highlight the benefit of an online dashboard to provide residents information on what projects are in the works. They also note the importance of bringing other regional stakeholders, like transportation, into the conversation. This weekend, the Senate voted to pass the Inflation Reduction Act along party lines, with all Democrats in favor and all Republicans opposed. After months of negotiation and years, even decades, of stalled action on climate change, the bill is being greeted as a milestone in the effort to curb greenhouse gas emissions. It offers nearly $400 billion in funding for clean energy initiatives with the goal of drastically cutting U.S. emissions by 2030. To understand how this legislation is being greeted by climate organizations in the region, KOTO News spoke with Carissa Milkey, the Outreach Coordinator for EcoAction Partners. She began by explaining that the bill is very much a national effort of what EcoAction is currently focused on. Before the climate bill came out, we actually redid our regional climate action plan this year. We are looking at our greenhouse gas emissions across the region through various sectors. So we're looking at it through transportation, we're looking at it through um, our buildings, we're looking at it through our land use, our water use, and figuring out what our biggest greenhouse gas emission um, emitters are. And we're working with government entities and other stakeholders to try and figure out ways that we can reduce those greenhouse gas emissions in an obtainable way. And so we've kind of been doing that. And then this climate bill came out. And uh, yeah, it kind of falls right in line with, with what we're doing already. So it's exciting. And do you think some of that funding and some of those resources on the national level will be able to trickle down to San Miguel County? I sure hope so. Um, you know, it, that would obviously be great. We're right now kind of thinking long term um, about switching over to electrification. So we're going to do an assessment to see what it would take to get um, Telluride ready to pretty much service um, all electric vehicles. And um, that's probably going to require a lot of money to do that. So hoping that this bill can contribute. Aside from direct funding benefits, is there any sort of symbolism in Congress taking on climate change as a major issue? Where we put our money shows what is important to us. And um, the fact that we're going to be allotting this much money towards climate change reduction and towards renewable energies and, and tax credits towards, um, you know, going towards more renewable resources is pretty representative of how the majority of Americans feel. And the bill was passed along partisan lines showing this is kind of still a very political issue. Do you feel partisanship or that divide is felt at all in San Miguel County or with your work? We have a very diverse area that we work within. Um, you know, we have Telluride, then we have Mountain Village, and then we drive out to the West End and we do work in Norwood and Nucla and Natarita. And 
Um, but I think in the end, like we all have the same goal, you know, that we can kind of see that things are changing and know that we don't want them to change. And, um, you know, that there's big opportunity for us to kind of all work together. And um, if we were to say, like, we need to cut out all cattle production, that'd be pretty tough. And that'd put a lot of people out of jobs. And I don't think that that's a solution. Same thing with, you know, we're probably not going to be able to tell all the people who fly their private jets into the airport that they can't do that anymore. I don't think that that's an option. But maybe we can work with them on getting, um, you know, a more uh, friendly fuel that they're using. I think we just all have to really kind of cater to one another and just kind of figure out you know, how can we continue in, in a more sustainable way? For those who wish to continue the discussion around climate change and sustainability, both nationally and in San Miguel County, there is an environmental happy hour this Wednesday evening at The Buck. It is put on by EcoAction Partners and various other environmental organizations in the region. The event begins at 5 p.m. and is open to all. San Miguel County is updating its all-hazard mitigation plan. This is something that FEMA requires us to update every five years. That's Jennifer Dinsmore, San Miguel County Emergency Management Coordinator, speaking at an intergovernmental meeting on Monday. FEMA is the Federal Emergency Management Agency. And it's that time of year again. So we will be engaging your uh, response leads for the most part and your planning leads in this process whereby we identify hazards that can affect us. We do a vulnerability analysis. We um, come up with mitigation actions that reduce that vulnerability and we put it all into a plan. Dinsmore notes in the past years, FEMA's regulations for the plan haven't changed. But what has changed is uh, the vul our vulnerability to hazards. Case in point, communicable disease was not a high vulnerability hazard last, uh, last go around. But of course, as we know, it is this year um, and for years to come. In addition to the all-hazard mitigation plan, San Miguel emergency managers, along with regional first responders, recently completed its Colorado Emergency Preparedness Assessment. And we took a look at the 32 core capabilities that FEMA lays out to say, hey, how's everyone doing? These are core capabilities that we think every government, every local jurisdiction should have. How are you doing? Dinsmore notes the assessment primarily serves as a baseline, as the county has never completed the assessment before. We're strong on search and rescue, situational assessment. How do we keep people informed of things going on, both um, in a non-emergency and emergency situations, all the way down to risk management for protection and um, long-term vulnerability reduction. Dinsmore adds it highlights places where the county can do more work. It gives us... Um, a roadmap as an emergency management, a roadmap on what to work on with our response partners moving forward. Emergency management officials will begin working with municipalities and jurisdictions on the new all-hazard mitigation plan later this month. Dinsmore anticipates it will take approximately six months to complete. San Miguel County is required to have its new plan in place in 2023. A much-beloved annual event returns this Thursday evening after two years of pandemic hiatus. 
Kicking off at 5.30 at the Peaks and Mountain Village is one-to-one mentoring's fundraiser, the Taste of Telluride, and Top Chef competition. One-to-one mentoring connects kids and adults across San Miguel County and mentor-mentee relationships. Executive Director Tara Kelly says their mission is simple but powerful. The whole goal with mentorship for me is to just have somebody that those children can rely on on a consistent basis. One of our greatest quotes for one of our mentors, uh, Adrian Christie, who's now our program manager, she was a mentor for five years, and she always said, if you have time for friends, you have time to be a mentor. So we know everybody's busy, but it's such a great, rewarding thing to do that everybody needs a mentor. The event features a competition between three local chefs who are presented with a basket of top-secret ingredients. They then square off to see who can cook up the most delicious meal. Also on offer for the evening is the Taste of Telluride, which invites guests to sample food from across the Boxed Canyon's food scene. About 15, 18 restaurants in town will all have their own table with about 350 bites showcasing their menus. And everybody gets to go around and taste everything. And we have wine tasting. We have specialty cocktails that are being made. Um, We have a nice DJ. Kelly says that food often brings mentors and mentees together. And the evening's culinary spin is a great way of building community. We do activities once a month with with one-to-one. And our most popular ones have been with chefs teaching the kids how to cook or doing. We've had truffle making. We've gone to uh, cooking classes. Um, I love... I love food. I love, you know, getting everybody together to see an event like this. Tickets for the event are available at one-to-one-telluride.org. All funds go to supporting one-to-one programming. Whether you like it or not, summer will be leaving us before too long, and winter will be coming around the mountain. With a new season comes new flights in and out of the Montrose and Telluride airports. Recently, the Colorado Flights Alliance announced the flight schedules for the fall and winter seasons. New this winter will be two additional flights into Montrose from Austin, Texas and Atlanta, Georgia. Flights from Austin will fly Saturdays from January to March. Atlanta flights will run daily from December to early April. In addition to the Montrose flights, Denver Air Connect and United Airlines will provide daily service from Denver and Phoenix into Telluride Regional Airport. But with gain also comes loss. American Airlines flights from Chicago and Los Angeles will stop service this winter. United Airlines will continue service from both cities. In total, the Montrose and Telluride airports carry 14 nonstop flights from 12 major cities. Those include eight daily nonstop flights from six major hubs. To see the full schedule, go to coloradoflights.org. Colorado Republicans are blasting Governor Polis for mailing a personal letter to residents in the same envelope as their tax refunds. Polis says in the letter he is, quote, pleased to be mailing Colorado cashback refund checks, end quote. The state is legally obligated to send out the money because of the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, which limits government spending. The state's Republican Party has filed a campaign finance complaint against Polis, alleging his letter amounts to using public money to boost his campaign. Polis is defending it. He says he is explaining why the checks are in the mail. 
His message does not mention the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, which voters passed 30 years ago to force Colorado to send out such refunds if it exceeds a revenue cap. Things are looking better on the surface of the Uranium Mill Tailings Remedial Action, or UMTRA, site just outside of Moab, Utah. Piles of waste from an old uranium mill are growing smaller. But under the surface, there is still uranium-contaminated groundwater. Now there might be a solution for that with a method that has proven successful in Colorado. For KZMU and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Justin Higginbottom speaks with a scientist about plans to test the new technology. The legacy of uranium milling and mining isn't only found in those easily seen tailing or waste piles. It turns out soil can absorb the uranium and slowly release the radioactive metal into rivers or aquifers. And so that's sort of the model of why many of these sites still have a persistent and long-term source of uranium bleeding into groundwater and potentially into inland waterways like local rivers. That's Dr. Kenneth Williams. He's a senior scientist at the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory and he's been working with the Department of Energy on a solution to this problem of uranium-contaminated groundwater. It's called a hydroxyapatite permeable reactive barrier. And the apatite technology is basically creating an underground sponge that's a very, very high affinity for removing uranium. Basically, they inject a solution into the groundwater that works to concentrate the uranium. The uranium is still underground, but it's not floating freely in the aquifer. It doesn't take it out of the system, but it removes dissolved uranium from groundwater and locks it up in a mineralogic form, but in a form that's stable under the natural conditions of the aquifer. In theory, that solid uranium could be extracted, either to use or to satisfy regulations. He's tried the new method at a sister uranium mill tailing site near Rifle, Colorado with great results. Now his team will apply the technology to the Moab Umtra site. Moab's quite interesting in that there's about tenfold more uranium in groundwater in the area where we're going to be performing the proof of principle experiment later this fall than at Rifle. So instead of 200 parts per billion, we're looking at 2,000 parts per billion. Currently in Moab, workers pump the contaminated groundwater before it meets the Colorado River. That might not be needed with a hydroxyapatite barrier. And if the method works in Moab, Williams says it could be scaled up. If you were going to deploy this at scale, you would need to create a network of appetite sponges that people often describe it as sort of a picket fence. So creating this underground picket fence of appetite sponge that now spans much of the width of the Moab or the rifle aquifer through which groundwater is going to move. Williams and his team will begin testing the technology this fall. If it's successful, it could have impacts not only near Moab, but around the world, wherever uranium is found in water. Justin Higginbottom, Rocky Mountain Community Radio. Colorado River activists are calling on the federal government to rework the plumbing on one of its biggest dams. KUNC's Alex Hager reports the call comes as the basin grapples with an unprecedented call for conservation. Lake Powell stores a massive amount of water before it heads downstream to California, Arizona, and Nevada. Now, two decades of drought have driven the reservoir's levels to a historic low. Activists say water could get too low to pass through pipes in its dam onto the millions of people who depend on it. Eric Balkin directs the Glen Canyon Institute. 
are the plumbing limitations at Glen Canyon Dam going to affect the calculus of ongoing negotiations on the river? Is it going to limit our options going forward? Balkans Group and others are calling on the federal agency that runs the dam, the Bureau of Reclamation, to modify those pipes, allowing more water to pass through and allowing states in the upper basin to meet their legal requirement to deliver water downstream each year. I'm Alex Hager. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a chance of showers and thunderstorms. The low is around 50 degrees. Tuesday should see increasing clouds with a chance of showers and thunderstorms. The high is in the mid-70s with a low around 50. Wednesday calls for mostly sunny skies with showers and thunderstorms likely in the afternoon. The high is near 70 degrees. Wednesday night there's a 40% chance of showers and thunderstorms with partly cloudy skies and a low around 50 degrees. This has been the news for Monday, August 8th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, Call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Join us on Wednesday night as the last show of the Sunset Music Series lights up the Wilson Range and music fills the air of Sunset Plaza in the Mountain Village. The Sunset Music Series in its 22nd season is one of the region's great summer traditions. For the final show of the year, we have our local music feature with Chrome Velvet and Niceness. Chrome Velvet hits the stage first with their Telluride funky soul sound. Then Niceness brings their Rocky Mountain reggae to the Sunset Music Series stage. Something changed, you're acting different. What a shame, why you so distant? Used to be so full of life. Niceness grooves on island time but integrate the United Nations gathering of musical cultures and traditions into a signature aesthetic. Attendance is free of charge. Dine-in and to-go meals are available for purchase from many Mountain Village restaurants. Alcoholic beverages purchased from the Mountain Village restaurants can also be enjoyed in the expanded common consumption area. The local feature begins at 6 p.m. on the lawn near Lift One in Sunset Plaza of the Mountain Village, and it's held rain or shine. Presented by Telluride Mountain Village Owners Association and supporting sponsors. Check the full lineup at sunsetmusicseries.com and connect with Sunset Music Series on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please support local live music. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m., If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Kodo. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.